Welcome to the Get It Done Podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Ryan. I help people get it done in the sense of achieving their dreams of home ownership. Getting it done can mean so many things. It can come in all shapes and sizes. This podcast is about that central theme, getting it done, whatever that may be. In the future, we're going to have guests talk about their own personal experiences in getting it done, how they overcame adversity to achieve their dreams. Once again, I'm Jimmy Ryan, and I'll be your host, and this is our story. Welcome to the Get It Done Podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Ryan, and today we have Suzanne Powers. Suzanne, if you're uh, you know a part of Southeastern Wisconsin or live there, you, you probably have seen her name, seen her on a for sale sign made in a commercial, but she is the uh, leader of the number one boutique broker in all of Wisconsin, led by the number one agent in all of Wisconsin, uh, by, uh, according to Real Trends. Uh, Suzanne, welcome to the Get It Done podcast. Thanks, Jimmy. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm pumped, especially with our quick uh, talk that we had, like, right, right before we hit record. So, we, you know, number one boutique in Wisconsin, uh, led by number one agent by Real Trends. If you were to just add to that, maybe uh, as far as like, what does that mean to you? And then also, uh, is there any maybe maybe brief? Like, is there any edification, any checkpoints that I maybe missed? Um, you know, I think one of the most, I think what your listeners want to probably get more from anything from me is, you know, I'm a startup. I'm an entrepreneur. It wasn't easy. Okay, I'm a female in a male-led industry, and I, you know, I'm going. This will be our 10th anniversary on September 29th of this year. So I made it 10 years. The number of startups that fail their first year. I just read a an article in the Wall Street Journal. I think it's it's close to 80% their first year, and then by year five, almost 92% of all startups have failed. Wow. So the fact that I've made it. <laughs> I mean, I'm so grateful to Milwaukee and Wisconsin um, for everything that we have. You know, it's great to be a female CEO. I see myself in that light. It was going to be really hard for me just to be a real estate agent. Um, I remember being at First Weber, um, which is what I where I was prior to coming here. And I remember thinking, I just don't want to be a 55-year-old real estate agent in these houses. And I'm, I'm 55 this year and darn proud of that. And, um, and I thought, I got to get out of here. I got to start a company. Because I always thought of myself as bigger than just a real estate agent. And so this role, being the CEO, being a startup, it, it suits me really well. I love teaching other people. I love my clients. So I'm, I love my role. It's a really tough job though. And we can get into that a little bit. Well, yeah, absolutely. So I, I love that you said that too. Like, Hey, I gotta, I don't want to be 55 years old and just starting, you know? So at 45, you're like, Hey, I'm going to do this. And look, yeah. you're the CEO. You're a CEO of a company that was a startup at one time. It's made it 10 years, 92% failure rate. That's amazing. And, uh, and that's why, look, you're well known in, in our space. And a lot of people look up to you, but why? And, and that's kind of what the, it's not kind of, it is. It's what the Get It Done podcast is all about is how did you get there? And what's your, your own unique come up story? And uh, we use Elon Musk as an, as an example. You know, he's a story of 
you know, being uh, a, a millionaire to a billionaire and then the richest uh, person in the world. Great, awesome, it's a great story. I want the zero to a million because that's really when the foundation's built and it leads you to be that person of excellence that you, that you are now that everybody knows you as today. So the best place to start, Suzanne, is, you know, where, how did you start your life out? Where were you born? What was, uh, what was your first, you know, early childhood years like? So that's where it all began, right? Um, so it's interesting that you asked me that question because I haven't seen my best friend in a long time, my childhood best friend. And she actually came to Milwaukee yesterday to come out to lunch with me. And, and people, it's been years. Um, another good friend of mine from high school um, told me to give her a call and reconnect with her. And I did. And it was just like we picked up right back where we were. I met her when I was four years of age and we've known each other, you know, for 51 years. Wow. And, you know, we got into my story a little bit. And because um, I, I think uh, some people, if they don't know me, which a lot of people don't know me, I, I I could be very misunderstood. I grew up um, in a family of five children. My dad was the chief of staff at uh, St. Agnes Hospital in Fond du Lac. My mom was a stay-at-home mom and head of our, our um, she headed up all these church groups at St. Patrick's. Um, <laughs> St. Patrick's, yeah, I'm sorry. St. Patrick's Church in, in our little town. And my family was pretty well known, but behind the scenes, um, you know, my, my mom and dad were going through a rough time and they ended up getting divorced and it was a really rough divorce, kind of like the War of the Roses. And um, this happened about when I was in eighth grade and I had to grow up really, really fast. Um, I got a job as young as I was. My mom was just beside herself that her marriage had ended and went through a long period of uh, depression. So I sort of took the reins over as, you know, the head of the household, I uh, went and got a job and I started paying bills and I was like getting my mom and my sister better. And, you know, I think in that period of time when my parents were getting divorced, I said to myself, this is never, I mean, ever going to happen to me, like ever. I went from riches to rags. And that has a big impact on people, right? We were really well off, very well known. My, my father was like, in this small town, he was a god. We couldn't go out to dinner without everybody stopping him and wanting to say hello to him. And the divorce was very notable. We got kicked out of our church because at that time, um, divorce was, you know, we couldn't take communion big, big deal. And it brought my mother, who is very Catholic. Um, my, my uncle is a Monsignor. One of my nephews is um, the president of Villanova. This was a disgrace. And then we were poor. And I was like, okay, this, this isn't working. <laughs> and um, I ended up putting myself through college. I had three jobs. I went to Whitewater. And well, well, really quick before before you jump yeah. jump jump ahead. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, you, were you the oldest of the five children? No, nope. There was a big divide. There were three older kids who were off in college at the time that this 
my parents' divorce took place. And then it was myself and my younger sister. And um, that really molded everything about me. That, that fundamental occurrence in my childhood made me who I am today. What about it made you the head of the household, though? Especially since because you're not you're not the oldest, you know, uh, you're still in the house. You're the oldest in the house, but how, I'm the how are you in the house? Well, and that know, was it. I think people react to tragedy and on hardship in certain ways, right? Some people they fall into a depression. Some people just avoid you, right? So. Um, my brothers and sisters didn't come home during that time. I think it, it, they were avoiding the situation. And I just assumed the adult role. I, and I was very comfortable doing that. And um, I was like, well, I got this. And I, wow. I kind of am like that today, right? Because I just, I think I, think I, I realized who I was through that happening. And then I, I'm just like one of these people, you just either do it or you don't do it, right? right. I don't, I do not get hung up. Um, I do not get hung up on, you know, idle chit chat about me, what people think about me, um, what people say about me, even if they're a family member, because quite frankly, I'm too busy living life. I want to contribute. You know, I have gifts to give and any bit of time that I waste feeling sorry for myself, wallowing, all of that, it doesn't even, I want to live every single day. You know, Jimmy, I'm, I, I like, I wake up in the morning and I'm ready to go. <laughs> well, it's, I know I'm I love a your happy energy. Person. I'm, a, I'm just a really happy person. And it, most of that happiness stems from that hey, I've got this stuff inside of me, God-given magic inside of me. And that magic, Jimmy, whether it's you or one of my new agents or a client or one of my daughters, I'm going to share the best part of me with you because it makes me happy. I, I, I truly love life and I'm grateful for everything I have. And no matter what bad things happen today or tomorrow, I'm still going to love life. I have, a, look, I have a very, I don't know, good disposition on life. You do. You have, it, your energy is just absolutely on fire. And I mean, like, I, we should have hit record, like, the moment we started talking, just because, like, that energy is like, ah, like, all over the place. Yeah, no one. Look at no, us talking. Know. Look at us talking. <laughs> I know. <laughs> no, I don't think energy that I am. <laughs> I know I'm, I'm mirroring it. So I, I, I like this. No, oh, idle chit -chat. That's so nice. <laughs> there's no idle chit chat. There's no gossiping. And look at, at it. And I think that you, you have this just, you know, appreciation and gratitude. Why? Because at a young age, it was all literally taken right away. And, and yeah. here you are in eighth grade getting, getting a job. By the way, what was your, what was your first job? My first job was I was a hostess at Bonanza in Fond du Lac. And my best friend, Carol and I, we, we did it together. Can I just tell you, like, see, that's probably why I'm happy because through all those hardships, I had these amazing relationships with people. I had a best friend I'm still friends with today. Her parents, you know, I could go over to their house, cry on her dad's shoulder and he would do the there, there, now, now. I've always... You know, if it wasn't my immediate family, I always sought out these beautiful 
people. I am so blessed that, I mean, now I've got a partner, Gretchen Keating, who does this job with me. I mean, she's crazy. Why is she working here at seven o'clock at night with me? I don't know. I really and, don't and how I can hear her down the hall, coming down the hall. But and, and you're pointing back to literally stacks of, for those that are not watching, there's, there's, uh, there's stacks of files behind you. There's a yeah, these are all of our, these, these red folders, these are all the sellers. If you go around the corner, there's all the buyers. So we like to have 130 prospecting sellers and 150 prospecting buyers at any given time. Um, but, oh gosh, this job is so fun. <laughs> So, and, and look, I really love, we're really onto something here. I love, I love your start because uh, this is literally, you're, you're just hitting on a lot of the things that, you know, why you're the woman you are today. And you said, you said this, you said, I am never going to let this happen to me. So I want to just touch on oh. that just a second more. So your mother went through what she went through and, you know, it, it, unfortunately, yeah, it's unfortunate. And, 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 and a lot of times people get caught up in this. Like, like I do myself. I, th I think a lot of people do. They, they tend to point the finger or, or look back at people like, oh, you did this, you did that. And, 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 and like this was messed up. Here's the thing. I think people, everybody, they do the best they can. And nobody, you know, nobody wakes up and says, you know, I want to get married. Then I want to have kids. Then I want to get divorced. Not one person. Everybody goes into that. You know, I want to stay, stay together and all that stuff. Look, it didn't work out people did the best they could. Uh, but, but for you, particularly in the sense of this will never happen to me. Like never. <laughs> it, it, it is the never ever more so a, I'm never going to be in a situation where the rugs pulled out, out from underneath me with a divorce or with a, with a significant other, or is it nope. more, more so I'm never going to be in a situation where I am so poor that I, I just, I have no money and I just, I can't make it. You're pointing at me. Well, talk to I that. Never, that more. I why, mean, why are you so why are you so like intense on. about it? So why? That, I have total bag lady syndrome. <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing. <laughs> you wanna you wanna know why I'm so successful? Because I think every day I'm going to be out on the street poor because it happened. Right? It happened. Right. I was 14 years old and I went from being Susie Peters, Dr. Peters' daughter to you got nothing. And now you, you have to take care of your mother. And I, I relationship, I don't know what I can say about relationships. I think relationships require two people who mutually want the relationship to work. That's what a relationship is. It's not about being divorced or having people leave me because as, a, as an owner, as a business owner, people leave you all the time. People do crappy things to me all the time. I've had three different admins steal databases from me. I've had other realtors take my book of business. You want to talk about crap? I've had the most crap a female business owner could have thrown at them. I'm still happy. And the most important thing to me, I still have a lot of money. And that is my security. <laughs> it's true. Well, well, it's true. And I, so guess what? We all have our things. Some people love shoes. Some people love this. I love saving. Do 
do you know that since the time I worked at Bonanza to today, I saved every single dime I have. I am not embarrassed about how much money I have. I'm, I'm not anything. I am going to live my life at 55 and hopefully I can share with other people how to do the job well to help build their net worth too. And I think I'm pretty good at it because um, Powers, my company, we uh, beat the National Association Realtors average on average agent income by over $100,000. So an average agent working at Powers Realty Group makes $156,000 a year. The average agent at a regular brokerage only earns $42,000 a year. So I am sharing my bag lady syndrome with all of my agents and I'm showing them how to be successful. And, and, um, and, and, and I don't make any apologies for that. I think when I, you know, to me, when I started out, I, you know, people used to say, oh, you know, I don't know, you're this, you're that. And I would go, you know, I'd be coy about it and I'd recoil a little bit. And I was super uncomfortable with um, my success initially, but, you know, a couple of, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I think it's just maturity. Now I'm not embarrassed anymore. I'm not, I don't know. Look, this I, is actually this is a space I want to go. I, yeah. I want to talk about this a little bit. This is absolutely a space yeah. I want to go. And then I'm probably going to go back and then we're going to go to college again. But uh, you're, you're mentioning, look, I'm <laughs> uncomfortable with. Yeah, college we're going all this. We're doing all this. So, <laughs> uh, what um, you mentioned being uncomfortable with success. Uh, that's another name. A, a, a popular word going around right now is imposter syndrome. And it's basically like you start out doing something and you're great at it and you're amazing at it and everybody's like following you for it. And it but then you get the haters, you get the people that are like, yeah. oh man, you ain't nothing. Oh man, just last year, you know, you were doing this and now look at you, you're, you're a fake, you're, you're, you're an imposter. And, uh, and you're mentioning like this, I think that you've been doing it long enough at this point where it's just like, look, real trend says this, you know what I mean? And, and at the same, like you can go straight, like, boom, like here's the numbers. But also, like, I don't think that that actually really matters. I think it's what it's the internal battle that we all fight, the, the battle between between the years. How do you, as Suzanne Powers, once Susie Peters, you know, as Suzanne Powers, how do you, how did you overcome that? How, how what was that process like? What had to die in you to get to the point where you just fully embraced Suzanne Powers? Um, my daughter actually helped me with this a lot. My daughter, um, is very bright and she is now a sophomore at MIT and she had total imposter syndrome and she and I went through it together. We got over it together because she's like, mom, I, why do they want me? I'm, I'm going to fail. I'm going to mom, there's no way I can go to MIT and compete on the world stage and do this. And I'm like, Caroline, you got this. But, um, Together, I think over the last two years, watching Caroline succeed, my, my daughter is getting A's at MIT. She just got done. She's only a sophomore. She made it to the fourth round with Oracle for her internship and ended up taking an internship with a professor at MIT 
and this should really scare my competitors. So here you go, competitors. She is, <laughs> she is helping the professor at MIT write her thesis on machine learning and artificial intelligence. And if any of my competitors are listening, you know that is seriously dangerous for your business, that my daughter is in the first graduating <laughs> class of artificial intelligence, and she loves her mother. So <laughs> Well, gosh, so many places I could go with that. Um, we, we went down one path, but I'm going down, I'm steering down another. Let's talk about AI for a second. So yeah. uh, it, it is my personal belief that within the next five years, maybe 10, uh, Dave Savage, I interviewed him. He's a uh, he, CEO of Mortgage Coach. Uh, he fully agrees with, with this statement is that everything is going to be on this. I'm holding up an iPhone right now. You're going to say, hey, Siri, get me a realtor to show me this house. Or, hey, do you know any realtors I could call to show me a house? And then it's going to say, connecting you with who? Who? who are they? What's it going to say? Who? Who's it going to this is the thing. Is it going to say you? And, and this is, I'm not pointing at you, Suzanne, but I'm saying this more so to the listener. Are they going to say you? If you're not on social, if you're not on voice, if you're not on, they're not going to say you, you know? So I think that there's just this reckoning coming to our industry, both of our industries, mortgage, uh, real estate, or financial planning, CPA, insurance, that type of stuff too. Uh, let's talk about the future a little bit. Where do you see it going? Would you, would you add to that? Would you disagree with anything I said? Would, um, or, or would you add to it? So what I would tell people, and they're going to be really surprised to hear this come out of my mouth, is they need to look at what's going on in China. And that is some really scary stuff. Wow. And if you look to see what the Chinese are doing, then we should all be a little concerned. What are they doing? Well, your iPhone in China is your passage into most of the buildings. You have to scan your phone and there's a green, yellow, or red light on your phone for passage into certain buildings. It's a total surveillance state. So I think that with AI, um, one of the things that my daughter and I talk about, and this leads right into real estate too, is ethics. And with any new technology, we have to look at the ethical side of it. Right now, you know, Google, um, I love Google, but I will tell you that Google has some big problems on the horizon because the way that the search engines are working now, you, it's really not giving you information. It's actually feeding you what they want you to read. And that is, that's problematic. And I guess, yeah, Jimmy, you're right. If you're gonna ask Siri who you wanna use for a real estate agent and that real estate agent, I mean, it's the same as now, only it's a little different, right? Realtors who come into the industry should have the means to start a career. I tell that to everybody who interviews with us, this is a marketing job and it takes a lot of money to start the marketing engine. And if you don't have savings, there to start the marketing engine, you probably shouldn't consider a job in real estate. I think people, everybody thinks this job is easy. They watch Million Dollar Listing or they watch Flipping Las Vegas, which by the way, I love that show. God, it's so entertaining. Um, 
but that is not what this job is. This is a very, very difficult profession. It's very cutthroat. It's very competitive. And it requires that you have a lot of resources in order to do it well. Because here's the thing, nobody's going to pick up the phone and call you if they don't know who you are. And to get your name out there requires branding and branding requires money. 100%. Or, or you just got to be ridiculously good or whatever it is. But it, it, at the same time, you can even be good. No, being good is not good enough. And you know that because you can look beta was better than VHS, right? Isn't that the old like story? You it's not enough to be good. You have to be good. And then you have to let everybody on planet Earth know how good you are. You know, hence why I'm doing your amazing wonderful podcast here today i'm so flattered to be here well boy well you're so kind with all your, all your kind words there uh we gotta sure. shout out from the rooftops the truth is is that is that once you here's the other thing too if you start if you're a real estate agent listening to this and you start shouting your name from the rooftops and actually start to say i do real estate i do real estate you do real estate here's what you're gonna find other people are already doing it and guess what they're probably doing it better than you and they're probably doing it and they probably do it more than you and it probably in ways you don't like maybe ways that you do. But the thing is, is that if you are the person on the sidelines, not posting about it, I'm sorry, or or not, or not shouting it from the rooftops. Like I say, I'm just, I'm so sorry, but nobody's going to reach out. Nobody's going to like, that's just not going to be the case. And look, you do a great job of this. You're, you're all over the place. Um, you, you, uh, I, don't, like to say. No, I don't feel that it, it, I, I tell you this much, with, in comparison to other people, you, you are, you, there's a lot of avenues that you can go to find your information, but at the same time, like, look, we can all do better. I can do better. A lot of times people look at me as like this branding expert, whereas like, no, I'm learning this. I'm a student of the game and I'm, I'm trying to study every single day. I want to stop talking about me and I, w- I want to move back to you. So, I like talking uh, about you, Jimmy, though. Well, I'm, inter- <laughs> I'm interviewing you. You interview me on, on, on one, uh, coming back. So, okay. Uh, yeah, maybe I should. <laughs> That'd be great. I'm game. So let's go to, uh, you, you started to go down the, the path of, uh, you know, you started working very young. You were a hostess. Um, you're, you know, working at 14. What was high school like? Did you ever get out of the, I guess, the shame of the divorce thing? What was it a, an awakening oh. in high school? And then, and then let's oh. go to college. So high school, I, I wasn't, um, I don't know. A lot of my high school chums have called me this year to buy to buy houses with me, which I thought was really flattering. I didn't see myself as very popular in high school. Um, high school was difficult. No, I never got over the shame of the divorce because I was in a small town, and the best thing I did was run away to college at Whitewater. So, I had a terrific high school boyfriend. I had a terrific college boyfriend. Um, I always had really nice people to hang out with. So I guess I was lucky that way. But yeah, I ran from my hometown for sure. I, I could only imagine. So you go to college, you go to UW-Whitewater. What, did your, what was your degree? What was your focus there? Oh, this is great. So I was going to be the next Jessica Savage. I wanted to be on NBC Nightly News. That was my goal when I set out but I ended up taking copy editing and layout at Whitewater and it kicked my butt. I couldn't do it. I'm like, I'm never gonna be a journalist, forget this. I can't do this. So 
So I got into public relations. So I did a dual major in public relations and marketing. And I'm still doing it. <laughs> and uh, that was such a fun, that I had such a good time in college. College was good for me. I liked college. It, well, that's really great. Cause I talked to a lot of people that, you know, I asked, you know, if you were to change something, what would you change? Well, I don't say I wouldn't have gone to college. I would have just started working right away. And like, look, you got started in, in the real estate, not in college years. It was later on. Um, and you went into PR and marketing in, into from from Whitewater. Tell me about why um, you mentioned. You said Jessica Savage. I'm sorry that I'm not familiar, but it's oh yeah. Well, the uh, Jessica Savage was uh, I think one of the first female anchors. And okay. I was in high school, and I identified with this woman really strongly. When the news article hit that she had a cocaine habit and died in a car crash after taking cocaine, I was like, no way. <laughs> I was like, as far as like idols go, somebody who's taking drugs, that is not somebody that I would idolize. So I was like, gosh, this is as corrupt as Hollywood. I'm out of here. I'll choose another profession. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, my goodness, I'm, I'm sure that that's accurate to in today's day and age as well. So, okay, sure, PR marketing. Give, give, give it a shot. What uh, did, do you actually, did you, did you move into a career after that? And did you move into PR yeah. marketing? What, what did you do yeah. to take us from there? So I wanted to just get my four-year college degree so I could be the lead singer in a rock and roll band. No kidding. And my older sister, my older sister, Carolyn talked me out of it. She's like, you are not going Listen to this. This is funny. So my older sister is like, you are not joining a band right now. You are not going to be Madonna. You, that is not a lifestyle for you. You don't want to live that lifestyle. She goes, you like money way too much. And by the time you're 50, you're going to be washed up and nobody's going to care about you. You are definitely not doing that. So my older sister like harangued me and she goes, you're going into pharmaceutical sales. That's what you're going to do. And so I went into pharmaceutical sales. My dad flew me down to New Orleans to go to this convention and oh, typical my dad, oh, you'd have to know this. He, he gave me a name tag so I could pretend I was a nurse. Not a great way, dad, to do it, right? Because you don't lie and then get into a place and then solicit everybody. But so I dropped my resume at every pharmaceutical table and I ended up getting a plethora of pharmaceutical interviews and, uh, I landed a job. <laughs> Pharmaceutical sales. That's really, I mean, good of Caroline to say that, but let's just really quick. So how did you see rock band ending up? I mean, you literally just told me that like, look, I don't want to be on NBC Nightline because like there's a cocaine <laughs> habit there and it's terrible, but rock band, I was like, everybody, everybody who doesn't know me, this is all really true. You want to know why you can't beat me at a list of appointments? <laughs> what, what were you gonna do were you actually gonna sing were you well it was oh, yeah. like it, it oh, also was there in a band so that was established? so i won the national choral award um uh, i won the national choral award and i'll age myself so i better not go there but i think it was ninth or tenth grade i was in high school and i was doing all the national competitions and the state competitions for choral and everything and I won the National Choral Award. And it was the first time I'd ever won an award for anything. 
And so, you know, I would sing at any opportunity I got. I would do talent shows and uh, all of this. And I was very good. I was very, very good. But here's the problem. You can't make a living being a singer. And I, I don't think I would have liked the lifestyle because, um, you know, very few female, it's kind of like being a female CEO, right? Nobody wants to really be with you or marry you because you're too intimidating. So most of the female lead rockers, they've actually never gotten married. Stevie Nicks, Cheryl Crow, Linda Ronstad, they all remain Madonna, really remain single most of their life. So I'm glad I didn't do that because I love being married and I love having children and I love the domestication of being, I know I have a big job, but at the end of the day, I really am playing housewife all day long because I'm decorating homes and listing houses. It's a very good profession for somebody who's domesticated like me. I cook dinner every night. So I, I, this is much better life, much. I love that. I fully agree too. I look at it like this. You know, I was uh, interviewing Mark McGinn. He's a, a, a top 1% a realtor in the actually top 100 realtor in, in, in the nation. And he said this, that he went to his dad's funeral and he looked around and he saw that he was in the front row and he looked at who was there. It was his wife, his family, his brothers, sisters, basically all the, the closest people. And he thought, wow, if I die, who's going to be in that front row? What really matters to me? And, uh, and look, I think that your kids aren't going to remember you for being the number one, you know, boutique broker. And, and you know what I mean? They're not going to, they're not going to, do they care? Of course, is that big, huge miles? A hundred percent. But look, they're going to care that you cooked them dinner, you know, every day that that, that was important to you. Um, in, 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 let's speak to that for a second, because, you know, you're mentioning like, look, I, the lifestyle of, you know, being this, you know, pound your chest CEO, you know, that total dominant of, of everybody type of thing. Look, that's not the life you want to live. You want to be a mom, you want to be a wife, you want to be a homemaker, you want to do that. Why is that so important to you? Um, I like it. You know, even though I built this company and I'm a tireless entrepreneur, you know, every day, what, after my kids were done with school, I'd drive all the way out to Divine Savior Holy Angels to pick up my kids after school. I never missed a day, not one, not one day. I picked my kids up from school every day. And it was, I don't know, I can't, I think it fills that, that um, marriage and family are very important to me because right, that's the whole, right, Jimmy? whole very hard to balance both right i have bag lady syndrome so i've got to make a lot of money but at the same time it's been it's been difficult because i have i've had to do both of these things and make sure that everybody was not missing a portion of me i don't you know what i honest to god i think that my girls both my daughters would probably say that they're proud of what I've achieved and I set a good example for them, but they, they really missed me when they were little. I will tell you that. I can't go back and change that and I don't think that I would because I needed to have a life outside of my children, right? They're both in college now and this job that I have, 
being the CEO of Powers Realty Group, being the owner of this company, it's my identity. Kind of right. like, you know how men, um, I, I, I'm not trying to stereotype for all the men and women out there, but I think men feel a lot of their self-worth from their career. I feel a lot of self-worth from my career. My career is my identity. It's who I am. I'm not defined by my husband or my children. My career is my the love of my life. So oh, I challenge you on that, Suzanne. I, I would I would challenge you. I would ask you this: describe oh. yourself. Describe yourself without using real estate at all. Oh. I would say. I, listen. I love to run and sing and cook and. Well, look, that's the point, though. I mean, you do. You, you just told me that. And look, you kind of get a little teary-eyed with it. I'm just going to call it out. But you do when you say, like, look, I have not missed one day picking them up from school, yeah. you know? And like, and, like, that's important to you. And I'm just, I'm just I'm saying it's just like, look, it, it, if you were to talk about you without saying about talking anything about real estate at all, which is kind of boring. It's, I mean, it's exciting to us, but, like, to, you know what I mean to, to, to the outside listening in. But the point is, is that like, look, who are you? Listen, I'm a mother. I'm a mother. I take care of the house. And like, I run this thing, you know? And like, and this is why I care about it. Anyway, I think that that's um, always a better way to go. And then look, everybody knows you for who you are. But, but the thing is, is that if they love you for your real estate side and they don't know the real you, I think that they're missing more than half of the boat. And uh, I, I want to, I want to go back to after college, you get started in your, um, you're, you're going to go from rock band. <laughs> That's the tangent we got on, by the way, was, was rock band. So I can sing it today. I'm telling you. Maybe you was going to say, we're going to, I was going to ask you if you could do that. We'll, we'll have some singing uh, at the end of it. Um, at okay. the end of this, uh, we'll do something little, but, um, so you say, like, look, I don't want to be on NBC Nightline because they do cocaine and that's bad. I don't want to be in a rock band because, like, I don't like that lifestyle. You know, they're probably all doing drugs and everything else. So I'm going to just sell drugs instead at, at, and pharmaceuticals. <laughs> what? So, so all right. Bad. <laughs> I, 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 I'm just calling it out. That's kind of funny. I'm adding it oh up. Oh, my so, God. Okay. That's so funny. So, so, you're, so how long did you, did, did you, you got that first job. I'll take it from there. So, yeah, I, it's really strange. I, I was put in front of me by my wonderful people at Stewart Pharmaceuticals, which is now AstraZeneca. They gave me three cities as options, Eau Claire, Wisconsin, Chicago, or La Crosse. I chose La Crosse where I really wanted to be in Chicago because I was following a boy, right? It's always about a boy. And um, so I went to lacrosse, which ended up being very good because I was in lacrosse, I grew the territory. Six months later, they promoted me to the Twin Cities, grew the territory, and then I was promoted. After a year after I started, I was promoted twice and ended up at the hospital um, rep in Madison selling Dippervan. And then from there, I did that for three years. And then I moved up to medical devices. And I mean, I'm at this, at this point, I'm like 27 years old, making more money. I think I had imposter syndrome back then because there are very few women in the profession and I was making a 
crap ton of money as a device rep. I had my, I own, house. I had my own house. I told my mother, I think I was like 27 years old. I, I called her up one day and I said, mom, don't worry about me. I've made it. If I never make another dime, I have enough money to live on for the rest of my life. I'm good. At 27. I love that. Because I, I, you know, and I think the reason I had that conversation with her is because she worried about, I mean, right here, she's got, I mean, it just never stopped, Jimmy. I guess if I'm talking to you, like, is this cathartic for everybody? Is this like a, God, I, I could be in your chair, right? So I guess I never really turned it off, right? I just kept going from 14 on. It was just, it was just, I, I kept wanting to make sure that I was going to be okay from going from riches to rags, right? I was so poor and so hungry and wanting to make sure that I was taken care of. I just never stopped. So, yeah. Look, there's a lot of, there's probably a lot of pain there, really, truly, where it comes from. My source of my deepest, darkest passion comes from the feeling of not belonging. Um, oh. I, I've, I've told this story a lot where like, you know, my parents got divorced when I was very young. And um, well, long story short is that, you know, my last name is Ryan and, and, and that's on my stepdad's last name, you know? And, uh, and, and I, I had this feeling of not belonging. I had a lot of pain there where that's really where my source of imposter syndrome comes from. It's just like, how could I belong when I didn't even belong here? I would think, I would think for, so, and, so just to build on that, it's that I would, find myself struggling to fill holes that were bottomless, like that you couldn't fill this up. Like, like you had to actually solve the problem of, of what is your belief? What is your fake belief? What is the lie that you've been told that you believed and that you're acting on? And for you, you, you were, you were told like, look, your parents got divorced. This is over. You know, you are shunned. You are an outcast. Uh, you're never going to make it. And oh, yeah, that was the thing. Everybody told me I would never make it. I think all the old boyfriends I had, you're all surprised that this is actually me here sitting in front of you. The only one who's not surprised is me. Right. But yeah. Every, everybody my whole life told me I would never make it. I would never be successful. And you just have this undying passion, Suzanne. Like, it's like, it's literally, it's just, it's, it, it, it is powerful. It really is. You, you're like, no. Like, it's just like, you just go straight to like, no, 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 not even, not even doing that. And I would argue like there is, there's some deeper stuff there. That's probably not all pretty, but it's, but the truth is, is that I think we all share a similar type of story and some people never deal with this or, or they choose unhealthy habits. Like they don't work. They, they just sow, like wallow in pain and wallow in, you know, just not going to ever do anything. Uh, whereas you've done the complete opposite. You said, no, 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 hell no, this ain't going to be me. And I'm going to do it. And, and you said it yourself, like a lot of people didn't believe me. I knew I was going to make it. I just, I knew the whole time just because I know that I know I that my unwillingness to, to quit. Talk to that, speak to that a little bit more. Cause I just, I love talking about this. This is something I've been really self-reflecting a lot. And I talked to a lot of top producers about this too. Everybody struggles with this in some way. What, uh, I don't want to just open, leave it open-ended, but like why this part of your life, if you were to like, draw some stuff out of it you're 27 telling your mother mother i made it like i've done it 
Like I, I, I know there's a lot of doubters, but I could not, I could not work anymore and I have enough money for the rest of my life. Why do you feel the need? Why, why does Susie Peters have the need to say that to her mom? Because I don't want her to worry. I don't want her to worry, right? I want her to understand that she did a good job with me despite her difficulties. I mean, I owe my mother a great, doesn't everybody say that about their mother? My mother is the single biggest reason that I am the way I am. She loved me, she nurtured me. So I always felt I was loved. So I never felt unloved. So that's, that's the magic there, gang. You know, you can go through really tough stuff, but if you have one person who loves you and believes in you, then you will believe in yourself. And really success, it, that's what it boils down to. Hard work, okay, you have to work hard, okay? I don't know anybody who's successful who hasn't worked for it. You have to work hard. If you don't have a work ethic, that's gonna be a problem. You won't be successful. But then the second most important thing is to have at least one person out there to love you, to show you what love is. Because if you have that one person showing you love, then guess what? You get to love everybody else. So I just, I love abandonly because I know people are going to come and go. I know people are going to leave me and um, I'm going to love them anyway. And, um, and I'm not afraid to do that either. Um, but I think successful people understand themselves. Like I don't think I have, I'm pretty straightforward. I'm really disciplined. That's the other thing. I learned really good habits. So I wake up at 5.30 in the morning. I do all my social media first thing. I write my list of to-dos. I turn on my favorite Guns N' Roses jam music and I get on my tennis shoes even on the days I don't want to. And I go out for a walk or a run and I take in the day and then I walk down by Lake Michigan and I pray a little bit and I reflect on yesterday. And then on my way back, I'll call a few clients or call my staff to see how they're doing. And, you know, I, I have a great life, Jimmy. I love my life. I do. I like, God, I have a great life. Well, and look, I you're built, grateful. And I built it myself, right? Well, yeah. And, 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 you, lead, and you start your day with gratitude and, uh, and, and with daily disciplines. And, um, you know, that's, that's certainly key. You, you lead with love. You lead with trust. Yes, and I think that that's something that is like, look, you get screwed over that way a lot, but also, oh, I don't care anymore. I know. Right. It's just like, and, and you get to You're that. Gonna, right. So everybody's <laughs> going to come to you to use you. That's the other thing about being successful is they come knocking. Right. But you get really, um, I think one of the things I love about this age is I can size up somebody who's about to hurt me in about two seconds and they're out. They're out. Like I am so black and white at this age. It's like, if you think you're coming to hurt me or abuse me, you don't even get the shot of doing it because I'll be gone. I'll be gone. I am really into people who nurture others and growth. And, you know, I figure maybe if I'm lucky, I got 50 more years on this planet. And the only thing I want to do is help other people, whether that's my board position at Habitat for Humanity or what, what I'm giving money back, 
to Milwaukee. That's the other thing. If you do make a lot of money, people out there, you have the absolute authority and, and responsibility to give back. You have to do that. That's a, you have to do that. God did not give you success for you to just go spend your money and live a high life somewhere. You have to give back through time, money, and effort. You must give. You must. Otherwise, you know, bad Carl, things are going to happen to you. hundred percent. Uh, Carl White, uh, the leader of mortgage marketing animals, uh, he, he says it like this, you know, anybody that says that, you know, making too much money is a bad thing hasn't given enough away. No and isn't that the truth? I isn't it um, I want to talk to you really quick on this. You've mentioned black and white. Um, like, like, here, if you see somebody coming in to hurt you, you can just sniff it out from a million miles oh. away. If I'm honest with you, this is something I'm a little gray on. I'm still, I think I have to be like more lead with trust and get a little bit more, you know, uh, some losses in that category to learn more. How, I'm like, a lot older than you. You'll get there. Well, I, <laughs> I know that's what, that's like, damn it. It's just, it's, it's, I have to be just, I have to get screwed over more. It, doesn't that just suck? I don't want to say that out loud to the world, but just like, man, I'm did just. You, I, me, I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I, I talk to my manager a lot about this type of stuff, Brian Clute, And he, he's like, yeah, I, I bring him up something to him and he's like, boom. And that's the way, that's the decision. I'm like, really? You're so damn sure about it. I just gave you like a couple little bits and I've been really thinking about this. He's like, no, you got to do it this way. Uh, black and white. I want to reel us back into how you started real estate, because I think that this is a key thing. Because look, you are 27 years old telling your mother, like, look, I made it like this is it for me. And, and like, truly, by, I bet you by every measure, you should probably be in pharmaceutical sales or management or keep on going down that road for your life. But you didn't, you made a turn, you went to a different way. Walk us to from, you know, that point with pharmaceutical sales to when you started real estate. Okay, so it's a God story. I love it. Really, true life. So <clears throat> I went to a wine tasting at the Great Stomp at the Milwaukee um, Art Museum. And I went with, oh God, you're going to, Jimmy, I, you're going to run away with us. I went with everybody from Channel 4. So I went with a lot of the anchors from Channel 4 to this Grape Stomp Art Museum wine tasting. And I was going, my, at the time, my, one of my best work friend lived in Boston, Melissa Doyle. Hi, Melissa. And um, I was going to put my house on the market and I, I signed papers. I was going to sell my house and move to Boston and buy a property on Cape Cod. And I was at this wine tasting and I'm having a sip of wine and I look up and I see this six foot four, deep drink of water. And he's got wire rim glasses on. I just have a thing for guys with glasses. And um, I look up and I look at him and I thought, gosh, if I could marry anybody. And, you know, I'm 31 at this point. I said, God, if I could marry anybody, it would look like somebody just like that. Well, he saw me and I thought he was with the woman behind him in the long black dress. So my husband, too bad he's not here to tell you the story, he went out to the lake three times before he got out the, the courage to come and say hello to me. And he said he went out there and looked at the water, which is kind of interesting because that's where I run to every day now is where Rich went out and looked at the water and 
how to come to Jesus, really, with Jesus, <laughs> walk back in, asked me for my number, and on the third date, we knew. It, it's a love story. We have a, we have a really... We have a really good marriage. He's my so, best friend. And so, so you see this guy like, hey, I want to marry a guy just like that. Yeah. Did your friends chit chat a little bit and like say something to him or, or another? Oh, I didn't say anything to anybody. I just looked up at him and that's what was running through my mind. That's why it's a God thing. And he wow. said the same thing. Our eyes met. He's upstairs. I'm downstairs. Our eyes met. And I, I got it. It gets even stranger. So we didn't even find out until after we got married and we were at the rehearsal dinner and his father and my father both were at Villanova in the same class in caddy the same summer on the same golf course before we were even born. Wow. And there's all these like little incidences where our families had met it was it's it's totally bizarre now now my second cousin peter is the president of villanova i mean there's just so many weird things um coincidentally um he's definitely the i mean was the right person for me is the right person for me and um so i met him and i was going to be a stay-at-home mom and i was for three and a half, four years. And then um, I, we were having a hard time making bills meet because I kept improving the house we lived in. It is, it's my fault. It is my fault. I kept doing like a new kitchen and then the patio and, and Rich is like, Hey, Suzanne, I mean, come on. And I'm like, you know what? Why don't I, try this real estate thing. Two of the two of the real estate agents I really valued and really looked up to, they were getting older, my age, and getting close to retirement. And I thought, ah, I can do that better. That is awesome. <laughs> and, that's how, and then much to everybody in the family, like my whole family and his whole family were like, what? You're going to do what? I mean, so far beneath. But, you know, it's, it's turned out great. So they were all so, saying no too, by the way. Well, so okay, with that, now no little boy or girl says I want to be a realtor when they're when they're young. They don't say loan officer either, you know. And it's weird how people fall into it. What about real estate? Like, look, you went from these are extremes, high-end pharmaceutical sales, medical sales equipment to <laughs> married state home mom. My goodness, way different end of the spectrum. And then, um, and look, both equally as hard. There's different challenges with all with with all of this. Uh, two, hey, I'm gonna go make some money. I'm gonna go do this. Why real estate? Why? What? what uh, was it just like? Hey, I saw some other people doing this. I'm like, look, I can do it way better than that. But, no. but why? Why were you even looking at them? You know what I mean? Like, wh how did this fall into your lap? I I think I was always supposed to do this. I think a lot of the direction in my life has come from my faith. Like I, I pray every morning, I meditate every morning and I just listen to his voice very carefully. And um, I'm taking his lead. He's the one who told me to open up this company. Um, 
And yes, I think God is a he. At least that when he speaks to me, it's the male voice. Um, I just, I don't know. I was supposed to do this. I think I was born to do this. I'm definitely in the right place at the right time in my life. And I have zero doubts. I don't really have any, I have no doubt. I mean, I, I don't know what to tell you. I walk around planet earth and I keep thinking, you know, this one resounding thing, Suzanne, you have a responsibility. You have a responsibility. I remember asking God for like a 10 year span, why did you tell me to do this? Why did you tell me to do this? Why? Why? This is so painful. Why? What am I doing? Those answers to the whys, they always come. Sometimes you don't like the answer, though. That's the problem. But um, there is always an answer. And it usually has to do with other people and your contribution and what you have to give back. Um, I'm supposed to be where I am. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm here. He spoke, you listen. Always. So that's just fire. Um, there's uh, I, I want to I want to quick ask you this because I, I I love asking this of, of agents, particularly the ones that have made it to the level that you have. Is what was your first sale like? What was your first like six months? Because you're just estate? saying like, hey, why why did I do this? Why like it took you a while before in you were real like, estate? yes, in real estate, yes. I can't tell you the story. I can tell you portion of it. Okay, tell me a portion of it. It's okay. okay. I, it, I, it's I, the whole epitome of my whole career. Just oh my God. Whole, I swear to God, my competitors, if they listen to this podcast, they're going to go, wow. I no, give them more fuel to the fire to talk crap about me. This is but, inspiring to the younger person just starting in this because oh, Suzanne, like the fact that you're even like, we could not even tell the story at this point. And the fact that you're just like having this reaction to your first six months in the industry, like everybody struggles this. Everybody has okay. a terrible time. So like, yeah, I want to hear it. Oh my gosh. Okay. And Jimmy Ryan's going to think there's so many like God winks in this story because there are a lot. It, ends, no. it, it ends with a Grateful Dead t-shirt. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. So um, my very first sale was $650,000. Okay. I did my neighbor's home. Okay. And um, I went into my uh, managing broker and I told her that I was going to list my neighbor's home. And she goes, you can't do that. This is the story of my life. You can't do that. I said, why can't I do that? She goes, you're not a luxury specialist. I said, the heck if I'm not, I'm their next door neighbor. I said, I'm listing this property. And she goes, well, you don't even know how. And I said, oh, I think I know how. And she goes, well, you're gonna have to give up 50% of your commission to our assistant manager, who I won't name. And no, it wasn't at Hearst Weber Group. So I'm gonna clear the slate there. Hearst good, Weber. all right, there you go. Okay, sounds good. Um, so I, this lady was insane. I mean, yeah. to be a managing broker, I can't believe other agents have to go through this with these managing brokers. It's probably one of the reasons I'm a broker owner now, because these guys are treated like, these new agents are treated like this. Give me a break. So she says, okay, you got to give the assistant manager 50% of your commission. And I'm like, I am not doing that. And she goes, well, then you are not going to list the house. I said, look, I'm going to list the house. 
And so I ended up listing the home. By the way, I ended up giving the manager a cut because they, they basically harassed me into giving her a cut. Hmm. True. I love that. True. Um, and then when I was selling the house, I'm like, well, I'm going to do buyer agency for these guys because they're going to buy another house with me. And she goes, we won't let you practice buyer agency. I said, I'm from the pharmaceutical industry. There's going to be a disclaimer in everything I say, and I'm going to do this by the book. And no one was doing buyer agency at the time. So I was the first agent at this company. <clears throat> I really want to say their name. Um, it doesn't matter. I yeah. mean, honest to God, I mean, it does, it, look, this is behind the They've scenes. They've been terrible to me. No, they, they seriously, the first two years I opened up my company, um, I have lots of stuff I filed on them. They've been absolutely terrible, um, probably because I was so strong-minded. Look, you'd make them more famous by get, by giving out their name. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, then I don't want to. Exactly. That's powers, powers, powers. So anyway, so, so I've listed this house and I I'm doing the first brokers open and a bunch of veteran agents are there and they're like, you don't know what you're doing. So this guy comes walking in, his jeans are tattered and he's got on a grateful dead t-shirt. And one of the, one of the veteran agents looks at me and he goes, are you going to let that person walk through your brokers open? And I said, Jim, that's an agent's name. I said, Jim, that could be, that could be the buyer. I said, what are you talking about? I'm not going to discriminate based on that he's wearing a Grateful Dead t-shirt. And guess what? He was the buyer. Wow. I love, I love that. I said, I love this before in the middle of the story. The rock and roll band right all over again. Why would I discriminate with somebody with long hair and a Grateful Dead t-shirt? Those are my people. I know that, but that's just the thing. It's just like, and, and also let's just say, even if they're not, but they're wearing that and they're a real person and you can like, I don't know, like I'll talk to anybody, you know what I mean? And I think you're the same way. And it just, it doesn't really matter what, what a person's background is, as long as they're genuine and real. And treat you, I, yeah, I'm not you know? pretentious at all. I'm the real deal. I come from a small town. I built my company pulling myself up by my own bootstraps. I didn't get money from anybody, Jimmy Ryan. I built this all myself out of my own money. I didn't even ask my husband for a dime. Everything I have, I made myself. So. And I know it. And, and, and despite people trying to take half or or tell you can't sign buyer's agents. the people sitting outside of my office who want to follow me to listing appointments, that really happens. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's just that's just that's just insane. So, uh, Suzanne, I'm gonna have to have you back on. I just I really love your story. Um, but there are a couple questions that I ask everybody, and I want to make sure that I get the get these in here. So, uh, and and then we're gonna jump off. So, first first question is this: Do you feel like you ever had a big break? No. No, just flat out no. No elaboration, no nothing? Had, I've never, nope, I have never had a big break. I wish I had. I wish things had been easier. I wish that people wouldn't be so hard on me. I wish that people wouldn't talk smack about me. Um, that's the thing that, you know, oh, gosh, 
you know, people love to talk about Suzanne Powers. It's all undeserved. It, it isn't deserved. I have never done anything. I have never had an ethics complaint brought against me. I've, I've just tried to practice my business. And I actually moved out of the, out of the big brokerage companies because people were going through my files and stealing my clients. I'm like, I got to get out of here. This is ridiculous. I mean, I just wanted to be me. I just wanted to be me. And they just still to this day won't let me be me. Um, yeah. I love that. No, I've never had a big break. What, what a fire answer. So, I, okay, I love that. Next question. If you were to do it all over again, Suzanne, what would you change? Nothing. Just nothing. straight up nothing. Nothing. I love nothing. I mean, seriously, everything that's happened to me happened for a reason. What's happening to me now is happening for a reason. And I would change nothing. I love my life. I'm so grateful every day for my life. I'm grateful that you called me, Jimmy. You're going to get all my brokerage business, right? Oh, my there goodness. All my brokerage business. Well, Team because, Get It Done really appreciates that. I love I love it. Oh. Um no, I appreciate everything. Like the fact that you picked up the phone and called me to do this interview. How lucky am I? I mean, I'm, I mean, it's the fact that you want to know my story. Nobody cares that much about me. And, and the fact that you actually took an interest in me means, I mean, that that's deep for me. As you can see, I'm getting a little choked up, but it means a lot to me. It means more than money. I mean, I don't have a lot of people who care about me, so that means it means a lot, a lot. Suzanne, there's not a soul listening to this that does that. Like, it, that's gonna be difficult to believe. Um, but oh, look, true. the truth is, is that when you get to a, a a position that you're at, is that you know when you get to the top of the mountain and you look around, there ain't nobody else there. You know, you ha and and sometimes you have to get to that top to do that. And, um, and thank you for your kind words. My goodness, Suzanne. Uh, I, mean I really think at all my business, everybody let's use Jimmy Ryan for mortgage. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. That's I mean great. It. We're, we're, I mean we're going to, we're, we're, we're promoting the heck out of that. Um, yeah. all right. So, so before I flush out, let's use Jimmy Ryan for mortgage. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, it. you're going on my list. I, I love it. List, by the way, <laughs> we'll help you pay your mortgage down in Florida. <laughs> you gotta you gotta be coming down here sometime soon you got uh, marco island here we go all right yeah, i gotta yeah, i gotta ask this next question i'm gonna get it out um before you keep on you know making me blush over here my goodness uh, all right so was there ever a time suzanne you thought about giving up every day Before you answer the last two questions, like no, no, every day. Tell me, oh like I was talking to a client one because I really like today I'm dressed up, but normally I just want to wear running clothes all day long. So a lot of times I'll call my clients and I say, okay, the only time I'm going to show up in a, a a suit for you is at the listing appointment. Otherwise, I get to wear my running clothes. Are you okay with that? And they all are like, yeah, checkbox, okay with that. Right. No, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I, the reason I bring that up is because I was on the phone with a customer yesterday and I said, hey, I just don't want to be Suzanne Powers today, okay? I just don't want to. I don't want to. I, I was running down Lake Drive and 
some gal looked at me and she recognized me and there it was, the face. Who does she think she is? And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I don't even think that way about myself. I'm just trying to make a living out here and get some exercise. That's it, people. That's it. Really, honest God, I got no agenda except to help you sell your house. <laughs> I, I love that segue. But you're right. You know, I, I love how people get just the wrong idea or they see you on social or whatever. And they think, I don't know, people just make some pretty evil judgments and it just comes out of jealousy. And I honestly feel bad for people when they do that because it just, it, it's more of a reflection of their inner battle that they feel as though they need to la lash out at you or lash out at somebody in just a negative light. It's more of a reflection on the person they are. Um, can, I, and, can I tell you something just to interject? Yeah. Yeah. If people if people could just spend a day in my shoes, they would not be jealous anymore. They yeah, they would stop that, and they would probably stop stop the hate mongering that goes on with my brand. They would they would have sympathy for me. Seriously, if if my competitors could walk today in my shoes right now at this very moment, April twenty seventh, twenty twenty one they would have radical empathy for me. And that just goes to show too, is that you never know what somebody else is dealing with. You never know what everybody no, else's struggle is. Be compassionate, be empathetic, and try to help people out and do your best. Do your best, because you know what? You don't know, tomorrow is never promised to us. Tomorrow is not promised, people. Right. You better do something good today because there are tons of people out there who wish they had a tomorrow, who, who are, don't have a tomorrow. So if you have a tomorrow and you're in good health and you've got things going your way, you better count your blessings and be grateful to your spouse and your children and kiss them every day. And don't go wishing, what's that from the Wizard of Oz? Don't go wishing for what's not in your own backyard because that is just a fool's errand, a fool's fool's errand. Don Henley said it best. If you find somebody to love in this world, you better hang on tooth and nail, period. Don't That's you ever advice. let them go. And if somebody leaves you, realize that there's a bigger journey out there for you. Boy, Suzanne, I love that. And this is just a perfect segue for my last, uh, my last question. Here. So, you know, there is a young Suzanne Powers out there, little, little, you know, Suzanne Peters, you know, where is, she? Um, where is she? There's a young, there is, there really is. There's a young, there's a young uh, Suzanne Peters out there. And, you know, maybe her parents just got divorced. Maybe, you know, maybe they're getting their first job when they're 14. Maybe they're being a hostess. Maybe they're going to college. Maybe they're doing, you know, the, the, considering what they want to do. They're considering being, you know, on a, on a talk show, uh, be a, be an anchor, you know, be a part of a rock band. Uh, whatever it is, uh, but they see you, Suzanne Powers, you number one, you know, boutique broker in Wisconsin, number one on so many, so many accounts. From Suzanne, or excuse me, from Susie, Susie Peters yes. to Suzanne Powers, what advice would you give to someone looking to get it done? Well, that's, that's an easy... I had to pause there for a second, but it's really easy. You have to love yourself. 
And then you have to love other people. And all the good in the world comes from that. And uh, believe in yourself, people. I, I, I think that's the biggest challenge I have as a broker is most of my agents don't believe in themselves. They don't believe they have the right stuff. I think I do best with veteran agents because they've been browbeat by their brokers so poorly. I mean, one agent who I turned into a top producer, she was a two and a half million dollar producer. She was with me for three years. Love her, love her so much. And, you know, I made her into a $25 million producer and then she went out and she opened up her own company. You know, there's a number being done on agents in this industry. They want you to be successful just enough to fill their coffers, but not more successful than them. And that is a sick industry. That's an industry that needs a prescription big time. And I've tried to be the prescription for people. I think the, my competitors, my, other, my broker competitors have done a good job of scaring off agents coming to work for me. Um, saying she's bad, she's wicked, but nothing could be further than from the truth. I've now trained 110 agents. Many of them started big teams and are number one. Many of them have started their own companies and are successful. I'm proud of each and every one of those people that I've trained. And so I, I think that the biggest hurdle that they all had to get over was the lack of self-confidence that they had in their ability to be able to do this. I can give them the skills, but it's also the the mothering that they need, right? The nurturing that they need, the love that they need. When they're having a bad day, they can come and sit right over there and cry on my shoulder and I'm gonna kick them in their butt and I'm gonna say, get back out there. Everybody's got it hard, do it better. Right, right, keep playing. Uh, as the yep. CEO of Fairway likes to say, keep playing, love yourself, love others. And Suzanne, yeah. you know, you just you just have that abundance, you know, mentality where it's just it's overflowing. Why not give it away? I mean, here, try and execute the way I do. But here, you're gonna have to have the discipline. You're gonna have to work it. You know, you're gonna have to actually get up and do it. And um, and that's just fire advice. Uh, so, Suzanne, I really want to thank you for uh, you. coming on. I really want to thank our audience too for listening. And uh, Suzanne, I know you're everywhere, but if you if you had uh, a place where you'd wanted people to reach out to you uh, for really anything, what where would you point them? Where would you want them to go? So I would point them at my fabulous website. I have built that thing from the ground up. It's the thing I'm the most proud of. We get a million tubes. We get 1.2 million page views every 30 days. Go to powersrealty.com and let us blow your socks off. Our staging gallery is there, videos, what we can do for you, what we can do for your career on our career page. It's the website, powersrealty.com, best place to go. Powersrealty.com, you heard it here. Uh, that's beautiful. Uh, thanks again, that's Suzanne. Nice. So, uh, all right, uh, this has been the Get It Done podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere that you listen to podcasts. And you know, if you like the show, uh, you know, tell a friend, Write us a five-star review. And actually, I want to ask, you know, Suzanne, we, we talked about singing. Um, so I'm thinking, oh. you know, you know, I'm, I'm thinking maybe we could sing something about a, a five-star review. Hey, wouldn't it be cool if you wrote a five-star review? Okay. All right. Let's see. Um, oh, but we got to, like, do it with Jimmy Ryan. I, I oh, know, but I, what I just lost it. I just lost it. You got to give Jimmy Ryan. No, no, no. 
That, I'll, I'll okay. send you a demo of what I did when I was younger. We'll, 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 go, we'll go back to it. I mean, on the next time you know, we'll have you on, we'll, we'll, we'll sing a song about writing a five-star review. Listen, writing a five-star review would be great if you could, and, and Suzanne might I actually like sing to you if, if, if you do. Uh, uh, thanks so much uh, again. Once again, this has been the Get It Done podcast. Uh, thanks again, Suzanne, and thanks so much for listening. Thank you. Bye.